0: Well, uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, well done for getting here through the, what do we call it, the heat. <laughs> you made it. Which is more than we can say for, I'll tell you more about him in a moment. But he's on his way, but he's been <laughs> the wrong sort of sunshine or something. Anyway. Uh, so my name's Steve Hewlett. I'm your more or less hapless host for the next uh, hour or so. Uh, we're going to take an extra five minutes on the end of this session uh, because, as I say, it's going to be late. Um, so um, uh, it's... Uh, Uh, I I should say good morning to our friends in uh, Cinema 3, they're not allowed in here, Uh, it's the wrong coloured wristband, they're elsewhere, so anyway, great to have you, you can watch but don't, please don't try and say anything because we won't be heard, never mind, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I should mention that this session is not only sponsored by the Children's Media Foundation but is also produced by them as part of their remit to stimulate debate, influence policy around children's media, it says here. The conference theme is uh, All Change, as I thought you could call it, Drop to Clangour, On the basis that um, I noticed that CBBC's uh, share of over 65s tripled. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, Sorry, apologies, CBBCs. One of them, so many, aren't there? Um, Anyway, uh, also, we happen to have coincided with the publication of uh, Ofcom's latest public service broadcasting review. So we're thrilled to have Antonio Pollock, I'll introduce in a second, uh, which is remarkable in lots of ways, but in particular, the most remarkable thing at all is that it's only 32 pages long. When I, when I looked at it, I thought they must have missed off a couple of zeros, but actually it is only 32 pages long, so I recommend it. You could probably read it by the end of the session if you so choose. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, our theme is uh, all change. Uh, it's clear from, clear from last night's keynote. I wasn't here, but I've heard much about it, uh, and the general tenor of debate around uh, the issues of uh, consumer behaviour uh, that you in this business are right on the sharp end of probably the fastest-changing segment of what is an extraordinarily fast-changing <laughs> marketplace. So uh, lots to talk about. Uh, the format is a question time format. We have questions which were solicited in advance. Uh, people are here to ask them, uh, and so wherever possible that's what we'll do. Uh, and depending on what happens, uh, I hope we'll get an opportunity for uh, more open debate as well. Uh, so to introduce the panel uh, over there, who need, I won't do a lot of this because you know them better than I do, uh, Anna Hume, Chair of the Media, Children's Media Foundation, uh, a veteran of BBC's uh, Children's Services, uh, a legend in her own lifetime, without doubt. <laughs> Uh, next to her, Claudio Pollock, uh, Group Director of Content, Consumer and External Affairs at Ofcom. Uh, so given that the PSB review has been published this morning, that's jolly good. And next to me here is Alice Webb, who is the director of, BBC's, of BBC Children's, uh, has been worked variously around the BBC, helped move uh, the whole shooting match up to Salford, which is no small achievement. And I read here, uh, previously worked at the Cabinet Office, Reuters and Deutsche Bank, and was at one time a chartered civil engineer. He probably still is. Indeed. Still on. Still on. <laughs> okay well look just to get us started oh and sorry and the chair over there is ed vasey uh, <laughs> he's minister of state for culture and the digital economy uh, educated at merton college oxford etc etc uh, he he will be joining us, his train is late also his train is cancelled he's on the next train and i'm told by the organizers he will be smuggled into the room through the trash but anyway, that's over there. So when he turns up, if he looks a bit dishevelled, that'll be why. Anyway, so uh, lots, lots of questions received. But just, just to get one, just to get us started, one from me, perhaps. Um, it, it, the session's called Game Change, and the theme of the conference is Game Change. Uh, lots of industries are changing. TV's changing very fast. As I said a moment ago, children's TV is changing extremely fast. What's your... It, it, are we truly at a game-changing moment, would you say, Alice?
1: Well, I think... I think in many ways we absolutely are because you said it yourself, Steve. The the rate of acceleration of change for our audience is is greater than any any other. Um, we look at what's happening with viewing. Um, you know, we have the two largest TV channels for for children across the UK: CBBC, CBeebies. We reach 44% of kids every week, but yet we can see consumption through catch-up it is growing rapidly, um, so, and and week on week that is increasing um, use of online, use of social media, it's just growing to a point now, kids still love watching TV at the time we schedule it, you know, two thirds of them do, but that number is shifting.
0: And are they, when, are, are they catching up with things they've already seen, or, or as they were kind of might have missed, or are they watching stuff they wouldn't have watched otherwise?
1: I think it's both. I think, no, absolutely. The great thing about quality content is kids just come back to it time and time again. So take things like The Dumping Ground, for example, one of our CBBC shows. That's been there for years. Kids are still loving it. We get the same shows that come time and time again. You'll see them on the top of the iPlayer list across not just children's shows, all shows there. So its quality keeps shining through year on year. Claudio,
0: Ofcom, I know, has done some work on... What is, it, what is it called, Children's Media Lives or something. Mm-hmm. What, what's that telling you about the way things are changing?
2: Uh, well, A couple of features that I think are worth uh, mentioning. On the ch- Children's Media Lives and across the research, it's changing uh, change in consumption and viewing patterns. Uh, it's critical in this area and it's the big change. So the, the days when you had uh, four or five linear channels with segments for children reserved during parts of the day, the way that we've moved on is so dramatic. So if you look at long form children's content, uh, you've got uh, a lot more choice, a lot more choice both in terms of normal live channels, but also a lot more global content coming in. But critical in this are children of various ages describing how much they engage through devices other than the television, and things that wouldn't normally be recognizable as TV, YouTube and how that is going to impact this business is one of the critical uh, change factors coming through the coming well, years we'll talk about YouTube uh, there's a question about YouTube which we'll come to but mm. um, it, I read in the
0: report that the one of the things is that, that ch- children the children surveyed anyway mm. found that decide, YouTube was described as the go-to destination yeah it, 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 why is that because there are other things other places that do the same yes is it, is it functionality or is it brand or what
2: so, with YouTube, I think um, what you do get is, if you like, uh, the network effects, which is that if it's the popular brand that people go to and they know that's where the content is, there, both in terms of uploaders and people viewing. So, if you're talking about YouTube in particular, um, that could change. These things do change. I think the more interesting phenomenon is uh, is short form and user-generated content and the professionalisation of that and how that impacts what people, what children are engaging with in terms of audiovisual content that speaks to them. So is there a sense, do you think, then, that perhaps that rather than, just cons- rather than so much
0: consuming content, of course they do, children are expressing themselves in ways, in new sorts of ways?
2: Yeah, without a doubt. So one of the things that, uh, uh, if, if you look at, the, there's a number of themes in the, the, the PSB review, and one of the big themes is about the impact of online. And, and we've got to be very careful, because often we think of this invasion that's going to change... Uh, the things that we hold dear, but it provides new opportunities and actually there is a democratisation of production where people can speak to each other in different ways, uh, in a way that isn't editorialised quite, to quite the same extent, but the risks are very clear. The risks to high quality children's content uh, that speaks which is really British content speaking about British society to children is the thing that becomes at risk as a result of this. So lots of benefits but clearly some risks in the things that have mattered to us over the years.
0: And just lastly, I'll come to Anna in just a second, but uh, are you sure that there is really no purpose any longer in having dedicated children's blocks on mainstream channels?
1: Is that to me or to...? Uh,
2: I... <laughs> Am I sure? That's very, very difficult. I think I think the move to dedicated children's channels has been very, very positive. Very, very positive indeed. In a multi-channel environment, actually having that availability. And it's not just children's channels, actually. All of the online, on-demand... Uh, uh, I, I just, I'm not going to have the stat here, but I, I am going to have the stat. We're trying to understand why when uh, there's been a reduction in funding of PSB children's content, British children's content, when there's been a reduction to basically the BBC being the only show in town. I was just talking to uh, the guests here. The, the parents' perception of, on the question, it provides PSB, it provides a wide range of high quality and UK-made programmes for children on delivery. People with 59% of parents were saying it did. Uh, moving to 2014, 70% of parents are saying it is. Partly that's about the content itself, but the major change is around distribution. It's about People being able to access the content that they appreciate more easily when they want it. And that raises the appreciation score. So generally speaking, I think the move to dedicated children ta- channels and different ways of accessing that content is a good thing for viewers and audiences. Is there no place for any children's content in mainstream channels? That's a, that's a quite extreme statement. But the change has been a good one.
0: Anna, do you think it's been these developments have by and large been positive. I mean, the world is transformed from when you used to run it. (laughs)
3: It's It's certainly transformed from the time when I started in it, um, which was in, I hate to say this, in the days of black and white, but never mind. Um, It's always been in a state of change. It's never been, I mean, there have been periods of stability, but it's always been cyclical. It's always, always been changing. Um, And the thing about kids is, as we know, that they're early adopters of anything. So kids have been in the vanguard of an awful lot of the changes that have been happening in the kind of content, and also in in taking up ways of of, of consuming it. Um, I think, though, that um, change can be and has been, in many ways, a very good thing, but there is some change which is negative. Um, And I think in the previous Ofcom reports, we have seen that um, headlined. um, And the, the whole decline in the children's market um, the lack of competition the lack of variety alice mentioned the decline in long-form drama and i think that is changing faster now than it ever has before and i think it's something that we actually have to look at very seriously and just say how do we protect the best of the old as well embrace as embracing the it, new but isn't the competition just coming from somewhere else in what sense? Well, in
0: years a long time ago, as it were, yeah. in the old days, the competition was it was the BBC, there was ITV. Yeah. Le, then there was Channel Four, and latterly, latterly Channel Five. But to be honest, where we, from where we sit now, uh, you know, the, the competition is Nickelodeon or this or that old cartoon network. Well,
3: indeed, but that's largely because ITV, um, which had um, legal obligations to provide kids programming, which disappeared in the 2003 Com- Communications Act, means that ITV although it has recently started doing one or two things, ITV, which was a real competitor in terms of quality content with the BBC, is no longer doing that um, and providing an alternative and providing more of, of the kind of content that parents and kids want and enjoy so much.
0: We'll, we'll come to ITV again. There's a question on ITV, which I think comes up next. I'm, I'm rather hoping that the man will have arrived through the rubbish chute by then. <laughs> But um, uh, but you say ITV used to provide the competition, and in one sense, in the old world, it did, of course. But isn't there a, a, a risk that in the new world, that is two bald men fighting over the comb? Well, <laughs> because because the competition is um, oh splendid. <laughs> <laughs> Ed, welcome.
3: <laughs> Morning.
0: Thank you very much, and God bless East Midlands trains. <laughs> yes, thank goodness yeah. for them. Yes. Is it true, by the way, that, uh, that you, uh, on a previous visit to this conference, I think you were in opposition at the time, um, and somebody told me that uh, on the walk up between from the station to the conference, you'd said, what, I t- what, am, I, what am I supposed to talk about? And there was some discussion about that. And it was in that conversation that the Tax Break's idea was formed. Uh, well, apparently it is true, because that's what Greg told me <laughs> as
3: we
4: walked up from the station uh, just now. <laughs> <laughs> so you heard it here first. I didn't think about anything on the walk up from the station today, so that's a bit
0: worrying, isn't it? <laughs> Not really. We just, we just, we've just been discussing to what... It, the, the conference. This session's called Game Change, and the conference is about the way the way that things are changing and just getting people's perspective on how fundamentally the market is changing. What, what's your view about how fundamentally or otherwise? I mean, is it the same? As, is, it, is it kind of business as usual or is it really radical change? Oh, gosh, well, that's a
4: massive uh, question. To a certain extent, I'd... Uh, take the views of the panel and the the delegates on that i mean uh, in terms of the overall change of the market obviously the market is changing in how uh, people access content and it's particularly changing obviously for younger audiences who generally uh, all the statistics show more and more accessing uh, accessing content on tablets and and catch up and so on and so forth it's become a sort of cliche uh, among parents to say that their children don't watch television anymore Uh, I haven't seen the full details of uh, the Ofcom PSB report that's just been published uh, this morning, but I'm sure that will have some details on how it's changing. But obviously, I think... But I've always said that uh, content... Uh, y- you know, people talk about this revolution, and, uh, but actually, at, at its heart, it, great content is still at its heart. So whatever device people are using, they're still wanting to access great content. So I think in that sense, things haven't changed that much, which is why I was so pleased we got the children's tax break through, because I think people will still want to make great content, and I think that will help them do that.
0: And uh, from where you sit, are you... I mean, again, this be probably the audience, the right people to ask, but are you seeing c- c- um, noticeable changes in, in activity in the children's arena because of the tax break?
4: Well, uh, it's too early to say. Uh, Certainly, I think the animation tax break, which has been around for uh, longer, certainly those people in the animation industry think it's been a game changer, to give a nod to the title of this session, that it's been very instrumental in securing the animation industry in this country, uh, which I'm delighted by, because that's why we introduced it. And I'm hoping, I think the early signs are that the children's tax break will have a significant impact, but it's too early to say.
0: Okay. Well, the, uh, the first question from the audience is from Oliver Ellis of Ho Ho Entertainment. Uh, he's un- unfortunately unable to be here, but well, he says he'll catch up on a podcast and would like to know the answer to this question. Why was ITV allowed to duck their children's PSB commitments in the 2003 Communications Act? And why is Channel 4 not being held to account for abandoning its commitment to the 10 plus audience? Um.
2: I, I can answer the second of those better. Uh. <laughs> So if I can start with that one. Uh, We engage with, so that's the duty, the the older children duty 10 plus, 10 to 14 more or less, uh, was introduced in the 2010 Digital Economy Act uh, alongside a process where Ofcom reviews Channel 4's statement of media content policy every year and engages with Channel 4 accordingly. Uh, They they have been under-delivering on the 10 to 14, with our engagement, they have said this is how they interpreted the legislation, and they're saying that um, uh, there was a certain understanding of what that legislative change means. Uh, our view very, very strongly is that's not satisfactory. They had a session with the, uh, the CMS uh, uh, committee uh, a while ago, in which David Abrams was challenged about this, and he, all he could point to was the series Youngers, as one series that was very impactful, but relatively few hours. Uh, Our most recent engagement with this, and this is is covered in the the DA review that we've looked at today, they have come forward with a very compelling case that says that the way that they are going to deliver to 10 to 14s is by making programming that is of interest to family that they will screen at uh, peak time, possibly in main channel, and that's how they will deliver British relevant content to British audiences 10 to 14. Now, that is one way of doing it. That's not children's programming. That is, th- that is programming that they say will be more impactful because children of that age want that sort of programming. As I say, it's compelling... Do, do, do you buy that argument? Well, it's compelling. What we've said to them is we, ha- we have to see what that looks like. So they're going to go away and do that. We're discussing with them the metrics for measuring what the impact is and whether that's delivering to the duty. What we can't do as a regulator and it would be inappropriate for us to do, is to play editorial commissioning choices. So we hold them to account by hearing their explanations, looking at the evidence, and then if we need to instruct something different, we instruct something different. It, it sounds compelling. Anna, does it sound compelling to you?
3: No, um, <laughs> I'm afraid not. I mean, does the average 10 to 14-year-old really want to watch content relevant, relevant to him or her with its parents? I mean, there are some programmes which are designed for family viewing and always have been. And I'm all for that, for kids watching certain things with their parents. But 10 to 14s, 10 to 16s is a particular, very particular age group. And it needs content directed to it, which its parents probably wouldn't wish to watch and shouldn't watch. They'd be shocked. Um, And and, um, we need more of that. And I don't see this, with respect, this response from Channel 4 answering that question. Alice.
1: Yeah no well I I totally agree. I mean I, obviously I can't comment on the channel four and an ITV side thing but but just to echo Anna's point, you know what I do absolutely know is children want to see themselves reflected back on the screens. They want to see their own lives. That's what that's what we're here to do and that's what, you know, I think public service broadcasting is all about. Kids are Learning about themselves, they're learning about the world that they grow up in, and and you know they want to do that in different ways on different devices. But fundamentally, they want to see themselves on screen.
0: Ed, I, I, you weren't responsible for this at that time, I don't think, but the I've been around a long time. Indeed, but um, not that long. But but the the underlying argument when ITV was when ITV's license commitments were relaxed was that. Uh, their, their, their commercial model was threatened, that the value of the regulatory assets, the spectrum and all the rest of it, were decreasing, and therefore it was ro- it was untenable, leave aside the, the ethics or the morals of it, it was untenable to require ITV to continue with the same level of public service delivery, and that applied to regional this, and there were various things, and, but children's was one of the things that went with it. Um, with, uh, we now look at ITV as a kind of—it's it's a great success story. It's, a, it's another bit a bid target. Its profits have quadrupled. Its share price is way back up, beyond merger, beyond carlton granado merger times. You know, it's—it's it's doing very well. With hindsight, do you think that was a wise move to let them off the obligations in the first place?
4: Uh, well, I think it's better to look forward uh, than to look at the past. So I think that. Uh, <laughs> The PSB review gives us a uh, useful launching pad to look at PSBs. I mean, we recently uh, renewed the PSB obligations for the broadcasters in a uh, relatively uh, unfussy and straightforward fashion. There was some discussion then whether uh, there should be any obligations at at all or whether whether they would uh, sign up to them, but they were happy to do so, particularly 5 and ITV, the commercial, as it were, PSBs, uh, the overtly commercial PSBs, so we were happy to work with them to renew those and give them certainty, so you wouldn't want to necessarily bring an era of uh, renewed uncertainty to those PSBs going forward. But at the same time, I think Ofcom's PSB review, as I say, just published, so a Airports Commission, uh, echoing the Prime Minister yesterday, I haven't had a chance to read it uh, in full and take on board uh, all the implications, but I do think it's worth okay. uh, some of the issues that Ofcom highlight, right. particularly the fall in children's programming on all channels apart from the rather precipitous fall uh, in all channels apart from uh, the BBC, although it doesn't take into account CITV, and also Channel 4's defence, if I can put it, is that a lot of its content now is on digital channels, again, echoing the first answer, uh, perhaps more likely to be accessed by younger okay. audiences. Uh, but it is worth, I think, the government taking the Ofcom PSB review. It's a meaningful and important review and seeing if there are any policy implications okay. that emerge from let, it.
0: Let me, let me ask um, Anne Brogan. Uh, if Anne Brogan is here, I can't, I'm not, I can't see any of you, so, uh, <laughs> so I think there's a hand being waved down there. Uh, this is slightly out of order, but Anne, uh, you're from Kindle Entertainment. Ask us your question.
3: Um, Can any of you envisage a return to the regulated quotas for uh, the creation of children's content on ITV channel 4 and channel 5? I mean obviously those those obligations were released some time ago, but um, the recent papers have certainly suggested that they should be looked at again. Um, So what do you think?
0: Okay, Claudio? to help help people out here, I, I've scanned the, as a admirably brief Ofcom review, only 32 pages. Can you believe that? <laughs> can you believe that? Anyway, um, and I've uh, still I feel sort of, it on the train. Indeed, um, <laughs> yes, but even with yeah the amount of time you spent on it, you probably could have done. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, it's cut a long story short, it it acknowledges the the decline in uh, children's commissioning, other than the BBC, which is now, as you're not quite the only game in town, but nearly. But says that there there is no case that they that Ofcom can see for reintroducing or introducing or reintroducing production quotas.
2: So I I hope that what we were saying I was going to say what we were saying was more subtle than that. I'll have to read it again and make sure (laughs) that it is more subtle than that. that I I, I can get it out for you if you like. (laughs) (laughs) Carry on talking. So since 2003, uh, since Ofcom's creation. We cannot have quotas. There were quotas, uh, but they're tier three quotas. We went through an odd uh, dance with with ITV in, what was it, 2008, 2007, where they had to write to us to tell us that they were going to lower the percentage of production. And we had to write back and say that that uh, reduction, which we did, that reduction was unacceptable. At which point uh, they wrote back to tell us that they had regard to our uh, statement that it was unacceptable and that this is what they were going to do. And that's how it happened and that's how it disappeared. Um, So we can't put quotas in. Uh, You talk, uh, Steve, about um, ITV being highly profitable. The relevant public policy issue here is not about the current commercial viability of ITV. It's about the PSB compact. It is about, for the commercial broadcasters, it's about the benefits that they get from having PSB status, uh, which in the the days of analogue were very, very big. You couldn't be broadcasting unless you were a PSB, and that had... Uh, benefits but in the tune of 200 million. But the could... the their,
0: their profitability or lack of it, their commercial position was the context for it. They were yes. loud and clear saying, help, 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 help.
2: So the, 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 I mean, this, I think that was later. I think that was 2007 8 when, when the debate about lowering of quotas and a lot of the changes around regional programming came around that. The point looking to the future is that if, uh, if we agree, if society agrees, the government agrees, that there is an issue about funding beyond the BBC for a particular type of children's content that is UK distinctive, that is UK content, the sort that isn't easily marketable and sellable abroad. The commercials for that are very, very challenging outside the BBC. They might be challenging for BBC, but outside yeah. the BBC, but the yeah. commercials don't. And mm-hmm. we set out why that's so difficult, why that's so difficult, and it is around, um, it's, around, it's largely around the advertising model. The restrictions around advertising makes it very difficult to fund content, and that means in order to make this viable, it has to be appealable to an international market, so you don't make UK distinctive content, and that leaves the BBC. If, so if you want something that takes value from somewhere, and there's a trade-off and a policy choice, in order to feed in here, there are a number of routes. The ITV is a possible. The ITV Channel Four, Channel Five, is of course a possible route, but you have to remember. You, you mean putting it back into the programme licensing. Putting it back into the programme licensing, yeah. having quotas. It might be it might be different from that mechanism. Finding a source of funding to go to the production of children's programmes that's UK distinctive, that's beyond the BBC. Many many choices, but if it's funded there, the compact has got to be such that the benefits of being a PSB are still greater than the cost that you get from being a PSB. And that's the big change since, since 2003. The benefits are much lower and what you can extract is less. So this is a, a big public policy choice, but that's the one that we're faced with. But, but my reading of what you've written, what's in the report is yes. that your
0: position at the moment is you don't, you don't think there is a, a, a coherent case for the reintroduction of quotas so, for children's programming in the service licenses or program, the service licenses for ITV, Channel 5, Channel 4. In
2: the current framework? Yeah. Uh, there isn't a case, because okay. if you introduce quotas, you extract from somewhere else. You have to do something more fundamental before that would be viable. Ed, what's your view on that?
4: I'm just getting it out at your suggestion.
0: Uh, it's, 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 it's paragraph 6.3. <laughs> I can read it to you if you want. I, I think...
4: Uh, I, I'm not sure we would be in a, uh, going down the direction of quotas. I think we have more of a deregulatory approach to uh, broadcasting. But So I think, again... Uh, echoing rather what Claudia was saying about, you know, the question is not really about quotas, the question is how do you support UK-made children's content? And that's the big issue, because actually I think most people would agree, whether they think it's a good thing or a bad thing, that there is a plethora of children's content. The issue is that a lot of it is imported, uh, a lot of it is on, as it were, foreign-owned channels, uh, and what people want to see is, is uh, UK-specific uh, content that reflects a, a, effectively... UK cultural content. uh, And the big intervention uh, has been on the children's tax credit, which we hope will encourage the creation of UK uh, content. So I think having made that intervention and wanting to see how it works, I'm not sure we would rush uh, into a debate about uh, quotas. So, uh,
0: yeah. Anna, what's what's your view? I think I know your view, but go on.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I don't uh, respect Ed. I mean, I think the the tax breaks are terrific and, uh, you know, are very good indeed, but they're a drop in the ocean, um, or will be a drop in the ocean. And and, um, it's a very big ocean that needs to be dealt with. I mean, I think deregulation given, I I haven't read the the report in detail, but given what I understand of the tone of the report is not encouraging about deregulation, nor are you. So the funding has to be found from somewhere. And there are various, options that have been pointed out in in, in previous um, reviews, and I'd like to know whether you've dismissed all of those. Um, But as far as um, the Children's Media Foundation is concerned, what we want to investigate is the possibility of inaugurating a contestable fund um, for content creation um, funded. You're going to ask me how it's funded. I don't know at the moment, we're going to license fee. No, not the licence fee, excluding the licence fee, because the licence fee is necessary to maintain what we've got already. Um, And we're talking about more, not less, and we're talking about competition in the same genres. Do Um, do, do
0: you you imagine, by the way, just that that if if such a fund, if someone could find a way of get the cash and establish such a fund, would would that in and of itself make the broadcasting of children's programmes more attractive to ITV or Channel 4? I would
3: hope so. I mean, You've got to have a carrot, carrots as well as sticks, and sticks don't work anymore.
0: But if you can't advertise around them, even if you get them for free, you, it, the opportunity cost of you're wasting space. I mean, well, you'd rather put something in there you could advertise around.
3: Well, I don't know. I think you've just. I. I think you have to look at it. Well, I mean, a fund of some kind, because if you do that, not just ITV, but a lot of the commercial PSBs might be interested. Per, commercial broadcasters might be interested. In in getting involved as well, um, you know, it, it was it's always good to have some extra funds from somewhere.
0: Alice, do you do you feel the the lack of competition?
1: Uh, I think the short answer is yes, we do. I think I think um, having more broadcasters, having you know, buying more programmes, is only good for quality. That means that you know we're going to have more ideas make it onto screen. We're going to have more more great content for kids to, to engage with. I think it's also really important that you know, the biggest responsibility I'm four months into this amazing job the biggest responsibility I have to do is to safeguard BBC Children's. I don't think that any business model that says let's rob Peter to pay Paul and and, and you know, we need to make the cake bigger, we not need to slice it up and, and share out the same amount of cake into different areas. So I think that we need to have more public service content coming from different well,
0: but as you survey the scene, where, where is the, where's the, I'd leave aside the financial questions for a second. Mm. Where, creatively, where's the competitive threat? See, so say I, I go back to this point, once upon a time, you know, BBC, ITV, then Channel 4, locked in the kind of traditional PSB, terrestrial TV sort of <laughs> battleground, which still exists in mm-hmm. drama and other things mm-hmm. to, to a significant extent. In children, surely, the competition is all those things which, which children are finding very attractive, are going, going there in their millions that you have to kind of find a way of competing with in a sort of BBC way, which is kind of quite hard.
1: Well, it is and it isn't. I think they are. They offer an alternative. They offer something different. In that regard, it's not a like-for-like competition because, you know, again, we are there to cover every genre. They don't cover children's news. They don't cover, you know, factual programming in the same way. So, so they offer something different. They but, offer. But your children's news and
0: your factual program has to be able to compete with them, otherwise, you're, yeah, otherwise we you're do absolutely,
1: absolutely, so. and that's the challenge, and that's exactly what we are doing. We've been on a journey to, to, you know, be not just on the TV screen that sits in the corner of the room we're already very much online, we've got apps that have now been downloaded 5 million times but there's more we need to do in that way and that's where we're taking BBC Children's much more into that digital age as well we want to be able to compete with that, that costs money for us to do that
0: Now, um, rather stupidly, I've put a piece of paper down which has got the uh, name of the next questioner on it Um, but it's not with the question, I think it was the person from PACT who's that? Tony Collingwood apologies it's on the wrong I'm on the wrong page Tony
5: hi Um, it seems as if all the independent producers are asking the same question of you uh, which probably says something Um, it is um, my question was absolutely about everything you've been talking about which is uh, can we have quotas why are the other channels not doing any animation or children's TV Uh, you're going to get the same question uh, for the next two years unless something changes and you know the tax breaks great, but 20% of nothing if there's no, no channels we can go to to, uh, to get the rest of the money apart from the BBC. So, so, what,
0: uh, what, so what, what would you have them change if they could wave magic wands and change things?
5: I think um, uh, Oliver Ellis said it uh, from his question earlier that with ITV, how can they not be doing any preschool TV? I mean it, and you know that th- there has to be some amount of money from these channels to do children's TV. I don't think it's right to say do that... You, I um, mean, do you
0: accept that if, if you... Um, the Ofcom argument, if I'm going to paraphrase, is if you, if you force them to do that with children's TV, the, the consequences on the rest of what they do is kind of quite hard to predict. But the likelihood is they won't do something else.
5: Well, I, I don't think one should cave in and, uh, and just say, sorry, we won't ask you again. I think you have to keep asking them and there must be a way for them to spend a percentage of their budget on children's. I think just to take their word for it and not to actually go a bit deeper into that. Um, is crazy, uh,
4: Ed? Is there? A, is there? A, I mean, <coughs> what? Well, I mean, I think uh, it's a fair point to say that we're going to get this question again and again, and therefore it's fair for you to expect me to uh, go away and cogitate it as a result. I think there are the kind of four elements that make it difficult. Uh, some of which echo uh, what's already been said. Is first of all, <coughs> there's much less benefit of being a PSB, so the obligations balanced against uh, the benefits are. Much more narrow in a multi channel environment. Secondly, uh, in terms of government giving with one hand and taking away with the, the other, the restrictions on advertising, uh, legitimate though they are, do make it much harder to monetize that terrible word, monetize children's programming uh, in a commercial environment. Thirdly, we do now live in a multi channel uh, environment where there are other opportunities to access children's content beyond the PSBs, again, whether you agree or disagree on the quality of those channels. And fourthly, uh, again, what's already been said, uh, the different way that children now uh, access content. And it's a terrible thing for panel members to, uh, particularly someone like me, base their policy outlook on anecdotes. But I'm sure those of us with children uh, know that the first uh, Conversation when you re- when you introduce children to one another is uh, whether or not they play Minecraft, for example. So uh, that is a sort of anecdotal example of how access to content is changing. Mm-hmm. But uh, having said that, ITV four and five are PSBs, and uh, I am a big supporter of children's content, and I don't want to just take refuge in uh, children's tax credit. Uh, important, though, I think that is. I'm aware that once you deliver one. Policy objective. You then move on to the next policy ask. So, uh, I think it is worth us again uh, reflecting in the light of Ofcom's report on: Are there other measures we can look at to support support children's content? But I'm not going to make obviously any any thoughts
0: for for sort of things you might even look at. We're not commit to.
4: No, I think uh, I want to listen to what the audience has to say. There's clearly a demand within this audience, specialised audience that it is uh, to see more uh, the other PSBs step up to the plate more on children's content. But I haven't had those conversations with the PSBs. As I said, we, we took the view when we rene- renewed the PSB obligations. We didn't want to uh, place additional burdens. We felt we were, we were at a point where, as it were, the obligations met the benefits. Uh, and we, we welcomed the fact that the PSBs were happy to take, continue to take on those obligations, actually, rather than come to us with asks for, to, to have more obligations removed.
0: If, if, hypothetically, Ofcom were to take over the duties of the or the responsibility of the BBC Trust, heaven forbid, I know, but supposing that if, if that were to happen, then presumably Ofcom would have to kind of change the way that it works, at least in relation to the BBC, because obviously the Trust is both, is, it does quite a lot more by way of regulation than Ofcom does to, of the broadcasters it regulates. M- might there be a case for, um, or would, might there be an argument to say that Ofcom should take a more uh, hands-on, a less light-touch approach to regulating commercial PSBs?
4: Uh, I don't, that's not where I start from. I think it would have to be a compelling case, as I say. Uh, uh, I come from a kind of more deregulatory approach. Uh, I want to give uh, broadcasters uh, room to innovate and change in a, what has been a, a pretty challenging environment for them. Uh, and I think, as I say, there are other interventions you can take, as
0: it were, from the other direction. Uh, Anna, just uh, on this point. I, is there a sign? Do you think? or Are there signs that the market is beginning to, is beginning to address this? Some of these issues. I, I read that I'm in mean, ITV, you know, Thunderbirds, Horrible Science, um, that new um, former colleague of mine from Carlton. Yeah. They're doing that new fact, new um,
3: yes, the Saturday live, morning thing. live action yeah. show.
0: Which I think if they're hoping they've got a letter. Was it a letter of comfort? Is what they've got for, on the tax break so far. They've got the cash, but they've got a letter of comfort. They hope they're going to get <laughs> it. They're confident they're going to get yeah. it. But anyway. It, 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 that's quite interesting, isn't it? There, there's a sign that ITV, without being told to, is beginning to do it.
3: Well, I mean, I'm, I think that they may not have been told to officially, but I'm sure they've been pressured by people in this audience and, and a lot of other people. Um, and it's good that they're doing it. I think everyone is delighted to see it happening. But as I said about, about the tax breaks, it isn't enough and there isn't a long-term commitment.
0: OK. Um, Mark Goodchild or John Kent? I can't. I can't (laughs) see anything here. Which 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 of you is it?
5: It's Mark. Mark. Sorry. Ofcom earlier this year, with the media lives, was unequivocal that children are going to YouTube as the go-to place for video-on-demand content. But with the recent negative press reports about the YouTube Kids app in the US uh, not being a safe haven for younger kids, uh, the likes of iWrite campaign raising the questions about what are the ethics of the web, and even Tim Berners-Lee now saying we need to rethink how we manage the web the Wild West uh, does the panel think that the m- big platforms who are, who are the, undoubtedly the winners in this space are doing enough to um, to to stand up for their responsibilities to the children's audience Alice
1: um. I think you're completely right and I think this is absolutely a debate that we need to have because there's, there's you know, it's the, the area that people, I think it was, I don't know what other people thought about the um, keynotes um, last night, I thought, it was, I thought it was extremely telling that we had an hour of quite engaging conversation around around what was going on with with Michael Stevens and Vsauce on but uh, on on YouTube but actually at the end of it when asked the question about this being for you know for younger children he said of course no one under 13 should be engaging with my content we know that they they absolutely are so and I think this is the kind of dichotomy so we need to have this debate i think you know clearly i feel passionately about that we provide an online um, space for children in what we do with the BBC, that's definitely something that we need to be able to expand to, because there need to be safe spaces. But we do, I don't know what the answer is, I think we need to debate that. We do need to be able to crack it. I mean,
0: presumably the, it, it gets harder <coughs> for you when you've got content that children like and will follow or, ask, or follow on with appearing in places that are not safe.
1: A- absolutely, I mean, can, can you, absolutely. Can you stop your
0: content appearing on YouTube?
1: Um, no, we can we can increasingly do so with some technical wizardry that allows us to block some well, the stuff. Would you want stuff. to, ideally? Well, no, the, the reality is, and we will, be, we will need to address this from both sides of the argument, which is we need to make sure that we offer it and we will increasingly broaden out what we can offer online for children in digital platforms so they've got a safe place to go that's engaging. But we have to also address the fact that kids are there. They're engaging with things. There are currently... Uh, unofficial CBBC uh, YouTube uh, platforms out there. I can't control those. They don't have this editorial control. So it's important we're in that space as well, because if we're not, other people are doing it in our name.
0: Uh, Claudio, is, is there a regulatory fix that in current given given the tool the toolkit you currently have? Is there any kind of regulatory fix that can be applied to these issues?
2: The, qu- the question, just to make sure I've understood it correctly, is a, is, a, is a child protection one. It's yes. about protecting children from content that is harmful from them. Well, and, the, and the context yeah.
0: being what your report showed, yeah. which was that, yeah, yeah. Which said that YouTube's the go-to place.
2: Mm-hmm. So. so Alison's uh, doing a session late, Alison Preston from Ofcom, on the media Lives, where we can go into a lot more detail. The quantitative and the video evidence shows exactly that. Uh, and I mentioned earlier that YouTube is becoming uh, increasingly popular and what I noticed with my youngster is not playing Minecraft. It's watching videos on YouTube of other people playing Minecraft, which I find completely <laughs> bizarre. Um, the, the, I think this is one of the biggest questions for us as a society in the modern age. We, you uh, weren't at the last one, uh, the UKIS meeting, the UK Council for Child Internet Safety, uh, which uh, I attend, is the main focus at the moment for protecting children online in this country. My observation from that is twofold. The advances that are being made in this country to protect children online are really quite outstanding. They are very, very positive, and they come from UKIS as a platform that brings people together voluntarily to pursue initiatives that make a difference. That's the first point, lots of progress. Well, what are they? So, for example, the four major internet service providers um, uh, have agreed to have uh, parental controls introduced. Uh, we're currently leading on a piece, this is one that you engineered, Ed, on, on, uh, on social media to make sure that there's better guidance and better understanding. Uh, and there's uh, family-friendly Wi-Fi now, so if you go in public uh, spots and, and access Wi-Fi, that has the parental controls in. Um, And A number of uh, organisations there, like IWF and Facebook, really engaging. The the second point I was going to make was that, uh, despite the UK, I think, being ahead in this than most other countries, internationally, globally, we are infants in understanding how to protect our children from harmful content on the internet. It took a while to get it right on television, and we got a model that was very, very simple. You had a regulator, you had a watershed, and you had expectations. It's now very difficult. And, for example, parental controls will block some of the really dodgy stuff for you, but we're not going to block the whole of YouTube. So insight where there is the ability to navigate and getting more sophisticated and better on that is absolutely pivotal. And I think um, there's a lot of interesting work happening. I was meeting with BBFC um, that does the film classification and they're looking at some quite interesting models for user-generating classification systems that would work with the technology. But we're in our infancy. There's a lot to do. We have a role. I don't think this is ripe already, and I think you're in the same place, for regulation. I don't think it would work. This is global. Uh, We need to learn, and we need to get better at that, and it's really important.
0: Anna, do you think these other platforms should be taking responsibility for what they allow children to get at?
3: I think they should certainly be taking responsibility, but how that is exercised and monitored is obviously still up for discussion.
0: I mean, would, might it be, would you consider it appropriate perhaps to treat them like broadcasters?
3: I think they're, they're different from broadcasters, and I think they probably need different ways of being regulated.
0: Ed, uh, regulating the internet.
4: Yes, well, I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we have made a lot of... You're a starter for ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, easy question to answer. Uh, so, again, uh, I wasn't at the last UKIS meeting, so it's the UK Council Uh, for Child Internet Safety, which brings together stakeholders, which was a groundbreaking organisation set up uh, under the Labour government, so it's been around for a while. And uh, the reason I wasn't there was a good reason, because we've now appointed a minister who is uh, completely dedicated to this issue. Joanna Shields, the Prime Minister's former technology advisor, is now our Minister for Internet Safety uh, and Security, and she has quite a wide brief covering uh, the very worst aspects of the Internet child abuse images, for example. Uh, the very sinister aspects of the internet uh, uh, in terms of extremism for example uh, but also incredibly important aspect which is uh, uh, internet safety for our kids and protecting them from inappropriate content it's a contentious area because uh, if you step into that space you get accused by uh, in a sort of very cliched and ill-thought-out way of being some kind of a censor, which I think is utterly ridiculous Uh, it's also a difficult area because it is quite difficult to legislate and we've always approached it from a, uh, the point of view of working with the industry because you tend to get quicker solutions, they're more flexible uh, and they're technologically more reliable. Uh, funny, enough, I haven't seen, I haven't looked at the criticisms of the new kind of kid-friendly YouTube app but what I would say is that the very creation of that site is a response to concerns about uh, kids seeing inappropriate content. So it's, it's an attempt by Google and YouTube to address that issue, and
0: it's clearly a, a work in progress from, from what uh, I'm hearing. One of the things that the, there's been a bit of a rumpus in the States about it is that when you go there, it takes you to advertiser-funded channels. Right. So you get a McDonald's channel, for example. So in the world of TV, you know, no longer can you advertise high fat, short sugar foods, et cetera, et cetera, around children's programmes, cetera, for perfectly arguably good, good reason. Nevertheless, that's in position, but as soon as you go into that environment, it's, it's Wild West.
4: Yeah. So, as I said, I haven't seen the detail. It's, it's worth looking at. All, all I would say is that it is a response to a problem. Clearly, uh, some people think it's an inadequate response. But, uh, and then in terms of other issues, um, uh, as Claudio talked about, the uh, internet filters. Uh, that's, very, that's very important. That's something we pioneered in the UK. Uh, in terms of getting all the ISPs to sign up to them on a voluntary basis Uh, and I think they're proving pretty effective and they're again they're voluntary they're under the control of parents parents are prompted to put them on uh, as appropriate and again they're a work in progress you know you get criticized because some perfectly legitimate sites can get blocked so we never said that uh, these filters would work perfectly from day one Uh, and I think again uh, without wishing to become Claudio's echo chamber. I think that uh, I would obviously agree with him that we in the UK, I think, are well in advance of many major countries. But this is all, for all of us, a very new territory. But I think the principle is there that it's perfectly legitimate for government and industry to work together to protect our kids online. I think one other very small point, just to end, is that the other key point about Joanna's role is is she sees it as uh, Joanna Shields, the new minister for internet safety. She sees it as very much an international role. So this is an international problem and it requires solutions working across uh, different jurisdictions. Yeah,
1: just a, a, I think there's a lot when we're looking in this space. We can look actually back at TV because often things have already happened. You know, history's repeating itself in, in many ways. And, and given the first half of the conversation we've had has been about actually what has happened uh, since you've taken advertising out and therefore kids... Uh, public service content on other channels has disappeared. Fast forward what's going on in the internet, I think the thing that we've got to do, wherever the solution is, there has still got to be space for public service content because all we're talking about is how do we make something safe but that's still funded from advertising or, or whatever it is. And ultimately that will squeeze out, if we're not careful, public service content. So we've got to find a way that that we make sure that in this digital world we still have space for that and that make, works in the model and it isn't one that just suddenly becomes something that's funded commercially. Ed, do you, in
0: terms of the broad direction of travel here, um, there's all the things that you are doing which you talked about. Um, do, do you foresee a, a, any reasonable likelihood of a firmer regulatory approach to online content? Well, With the, the AVMS, the European, the AVMS directive kind of facilitates it if you want to go that way. Yeah, and the, the AVMS directive
4: is up for review, but it's very early days yet. And obviously we have ATVOD, at the Association of Television on Demand, which is co- a co-regulatory model between the industry and, and Ofcom, which uh, to a certain extent regulates what can be shown on broadcast-like services uh, on the internet. As I say, I think we make more progress working with industry, uh, achieving quicker solutions. But clearly, uh, all these issues will, uh, will continue to be looked at. And I, I don't think... Uh, Policymakers uh, should shy away from them uh, on the basis that people uh, accuse us of, of censoring the Internet, which I think is a okay. sort of balmy uh, attack. You know we, we should again, rather as we were talking earlier about uh, content on PSB channels, we, we should approach it from uh, what is the issue that concerns us, and the issue that concerns us is uh, making sure our kids see appropriate content on whatever screen they're using uh, and approach it from that okay. basis
0: and then look at solutions. Um, uh, Ollie Hyatt, Blue Zoo Animation. Where's Ollie? Just down here.
6: Um, children make up uh, about 19% of the UK's potential audience, so why don't they receive 19% of the BBC's programming budget? As one of the last areas of true PSB at the BBC, is there any reason that children be- should be considered less important genre to invest in?
1: Alice. Gosh, uh, why are you coming to me? So, so first and foremost, children absolutely are at the heart of the BBC. You know, again, if I if I wasn't convinced before I took this job, I certainly have been. And I look at what we're doing in terms of um, preparing for charter renewal, children, and and what we want to do for children is very much at the heart of that. Um, We deliver an enormous amount for children from the license fee. We've got the two leading, broad, uh, the two leading channels for, for kids, and as I said, that reaches 44% of children. But don't just measure it, by the amount of money that we put into two specific channels. We know that we do far more for children. Look at all the stuff we do for learning. Look at what we do for bite size. Children watch Strictly Come Dancing, Sewing Bee, you know, uh, Great British Break-Off. They get a vast array from the BBC. So I know it's very easy to look at the amount that's ring-fenced. We spent £93 million on new programmes for children last year. The BBC children get the benefit far, far more than that across do, the BBC. Do, do you know,
0: roughly speaking, what 93? Million <coughs> pounds represents as a proportion of the licence fee income?
1: Um, no, but I'm sure someone can do the maths quicker oh, than Steve I can right now.
0: Well, I'm not. <laughs> 5%. 5%, says Ollie.
1: Yeah, and, and, and we do. We, we're not immune from the fact that we, like elsewhere in the BBC, have had to you know, make some choices, tighten our belt, but all I would say is that children get a significant you know, increase on that in everything else that they do. One of the things I'm very excited about to be able to do, and again, this is where digital enables us to do this, is to even more in the future bring the whole breadth of the BBC to children. You know, imagine a world where we can make sure that knowing how old you are allows us to surface content to you um, from across the whole of the BBC. That's not a million miles away. That's what I'd love to be able to do, and that means we can do even more.
0: Do you see any data protection issues with personalisation of services to children?
1: Um, I think there are... Yeah, again, we, we, go back into the, we go back into the conversation that we've just had. Absolutely, I think, but... But, be, you know, but, it's,
0: but it's, it's acute, these are acute issues, arguably, anyway... But doing it, gathering gathering data about children in order to be able to serve them better, is surely really very controversial.
1: Um, I think there, in terms of, we've got to do that in a way that is absolutely safe. The parental controls we talked about those earlier; those are not things that will be done in any stealth way um, around the place. It's not something we do now. Uh, no,
0: I, I suppose it raises all sorts of questions. For example, and this is obviously not, not an accusation in any sense at all, but. Uh, Organisations are not very good at holding on to people's data. Credit card companies appear to let it go at the drop of a hat. Uh, so the BBC would find itself the repository of significant amounts of personal data, which people with nefarious intent would find very handy to have.
1: I think uh, any any organisation that's in a subscription, le- uh, so a sign in, has got any of that data. We we we're part of the modern world. We suffer from those same issues, but we don't hold that data now.
0: Anna, what about the of the, the size, of, the size of the BBC's spend on children?
3: Well, the BBC um, has well, kids content in the BBC has always started from a lower base than anywhere else, um, and the cuts that have happened. I think the BBC Children's Department has done amazingly well to absorb the various. Cuts that there have been over the last few years, in a way I think they've done almost too well, because kind of on the surface, it looks fine. But underneath there's an awful lot going on, and you can see that, that there are, you, know, you can see the impact on the volume of commissioning and also um, on, on the amount of spend on content. And it's all being spread very, more, more and more thinly. So Ollie, I don't think it's practical bring it up to the level that you're asking for but I do think we should insist on the fact that or try and insist that there are no more cuts to the children's um, output in upcoming I, I, debate.
0: irrespective of what happens elsewhere
3: I think that Ollie's point about um, the importance of kids is an is is very well made and I think if you ignore your kids audience you're ignoring the audience of the future and it's got We've got to be pragmatic about this. But I do think the BBC, I mean, I I see signs now that the BBC is actually recognising the significance of its children's audience more than it did. It tends to do this, I have to say, at the time of charter renewal. Um, (laughs) But never mind that, that's when you actually get something. Um, So I think we need to be very careful about eroding it anymore.
0: Uh, Olly, what's your reaction to that?
6: Um, well, the great thing about the Ofcom report is they broke down exactly um, what uh, demographic were watching each channel on the BBC. So I'm talking about the uh, 173 page report and annexes, not the short thing that's just come out. So it broke down exactly how many children are watching and you've each channel. Read it. You know me, Ed. Um, <laughs> so the the figures on that, if you add in uh, the percentage of children watching the other channel, the channels and the value they'd get of that, the value children are getting, OK, it's not the 5%, it's 7%. So to say they're getting their value from other channels, statistically, from the uh, Ofcom uh, breakdown, that's not right. They're still only getting 7%. Um, and I, I just think it's a lovely ambition to have for children. They're nineteen percent of audience. And one of the key things, uh, you know, uh, I will pick up on is uh, when interviewed in broadcast recently, Alice. You said that if you have a decline in money, there are certain things that you'd like to do that you would not be able to do. Now, why shouldn't you be allowed to do the things you think are important for children while you're being so massively uh, underproportionalised funded? Why why shouldn't you have your funding moved up to proportional and just be cut like everyone else? That I mean, I, I strongly think about that. They are 19% of our population. It's a public service channel. We pay for. 90%. 19%. 19. Oh, 9%. 19, 9%. 19, sorry. 19.
4: 19. <gasps> you know, I was, I was getting
0: confused
1: by the 19%. Yeah, so, so yeah. Sorry. Percent it's bad maybe,
0: English. But yeah. well, we, we, we'll, we'll have to take your point and leave it there. We're, gonna, we're running out of time here. But uh, Camilla Arnold, uh, Flashing Lights Media, has a question. I should say that Camilla is deaf, uh, and her signer and interpreter will be speaking for, will telling us what she's saying. Should let say, not speaking for her. Camilla.
3: <laughs> okay, perfect. Interesting. Thank
2: you. Okay, so growing up watching television, I saw few, if any, representation of deaf people on television, unless they were elderly. I can only remember a handful of characters that had any other form of disability. Given that one in 20 children in the UK has a disability, does the panel agree that more needs to be done to ensure that children's programmes reflect real life? If so, can we do this without falling into the tokenism trap? or? of portrayals of disabled people as brave, wonderful, and heroic?
3: (laughs) Um, I think we should, Um, I think we don't sufficiently, but it's not always easy to achieve. Um, Again, going back into the dim and distant past, um, there was a programme, the BBC did a programme specifically for deaf children, And that was felt eventually that it was ghettoising those children and it turned into a much more generalist programme, but it did emphasise very much the the visual rather than the oral. And I think one just has to look at different ways of doing it. I think drama is a very good way of bringing in characters in drama. They don't have to be worthy. Let's have a deaf baddie, perhaps. I don't know. Alice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm very proud of what we have on our screens. Um, Camilla, 26% of, of portrayal on CBBC and CBBs are of diverse, uh, uh, you know, characters um, on and what, their... And what about disability? Yeah, disability, absolutely. Look at Kerry, who's one of our no,
0: no, most... So t- 26% diverse? Yes. Ethnically and whatever. Absolutely. What, what proportion disabled?
1: I, I can't remember off the top of my head in terms of what, what proportion of disabled, but absolutely, um, it, undoubtedly, such. undoubtedly. And we're the BBC, we measure everything, come mm-hmm. on, we, we mm-hmm. do. But take the dumping ground. We've got, we've got some fabulous characters in there. Um, we've got, uh, we've got uh, a kid with downs in the dumping ground. Um, we've got uh, uh, numbers across the piece. So th- uh, that's one of the things I was really delighted when looking across the ray. Um, and it's just part of what we do.
0: But would it, would it be helpful, do you think, at the very least, if the BBC, because you are the main player, were to uh, measure and publish figures every year for disabil- for disability representation of people with disability in your
1: I think it's right that we look at a whole range of diversity, not just disability. I think we cover that with, with LGBT, and as I say, we cover 26%. I don't think that we need to no, do any are. more in terms of measuring individual elements because we, we cover it Well, except all. that,
0: except that the, the overall figure hides a multitude of sins, isn't it, potentially, especially if you're disabled. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I look to the I look to the guys across the piece in terms of whether we how we break that down. Okay. I don't exactly. Know. I'm very happy to, to get those figures okay. out.
0: So the red lights are flashing. So I'm going to I'm going to pinch somebody's question, Ben Timmins, and just ask the panel each of you, uh, you know, in the context of Thunderbirds and one thing and another, <laughs> if you could bring back a children's TV show, which one would it be, Ed?
4: Well, uh, Steve. Obviously, decided halfway through this panel I was a useless panelist because I haven 't been able to answer any of the last three questions. so very quickly i 'll just say, uh, Ollie Hyatt, uh, although I created the children's Tax Credit walking up this street, uh, Ollie Hyatt is responsible for the animation tax credit never <laughs> never knowingly overdressed, he appeared in a t-shirt and baseball cap as he 's wearing today, in the office of the Chancellor Exchequer and lobbied for it, and lo and behold it, arrived so. We obviously have to take him very seriously when he takes on the BBC, but I I support what the BBC does on on children's programming, and it's not necessarily a matter of quantum. On disability issues, I'm a passionate supporter of diversity. We've been doing a lot, particularly on uh, black and minority ethnic, and we need to do more on disability. And the key point, I think, in Camilla's question was it mustn't be tokenism. In In a sense, the disability must be irrelevant to the character. I'd love to meet Camilla, and perhaps uh, if she wants to bring other people with her to discuss this issue, I'd love to talk about it. And the series I'd love to be brought back, because obviously I grew up on Blue Peter uh, and Newsround, but obviously Grange Hill. Grange
3: Hill.
1: <laughs>
3: Anna. Um, well, as the, so, the, not the only begetter of Grange Hill, but one of the begetters of Grange Hill, thank you. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't. Um. <laughs> 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 uh, i think i think it had its time and i think i think it would be actually very hard to bring it back now because it was it was actually um, extending barriers so far that i don't i'm not sure that they could be extended that far today it's a very different climate actually i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily bring back anything i would use the money um, on commissioning new content
0: claudio yeah, yeah. well, It's not meant to be a trick question,
2: this, I'm sorry. I was going to say both those things. I was going to say, obviously, I wouldn't bring back anything because this is all about creating new content that's relevant to children in today's society. And then I was going to say Grange Hill because what (laughs) Grange Hill did at the time, which was groundbreaking, was in a way that had such mass appeal was do precisely that. And what's harder today with the news channels and the uh, fragmentation of the audience is to have a single piece of content that speaks to everyone that everyone's talking about. That's the bit that I think it's going to be hard to capture back. I think series like The Dumping Ground do do something similar to Grange Hill, but not with that, that, that same playground feel and obsession that happened with Grange Hill. Alice, what would you bring back? Well, I hate to personally.
1: It, hate to, personally, do you know what? I get to see hundreds of fabulous, fabulous ideas across our desk every day. I want to make new stuff. I don't want to bring back old stuff. That's not the priority, make new stuff.
4: Can we just note that only the politician gave a straight answer to a uh, straight yeah. question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. There is, it must have been the only question to which he gave a straight answer. But, um, but look, there's a first, there's a, look on the upside, there's a first time for everything. Anyway. Uh, listen, well, thank you very much for, for your attendance. Uh, apologies to the people whose questions Uh, got dropped in the in the rush towards the flashing red lights Uh, first of all your appreciation for the panel please